Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey, listeners, welcome to episode 44 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name is Jeremy. So great that you're with us again, listening in to this podcast. And this episode I've entitled Reluctant Leaders. I'll give you a little bit of intro into this, how I arrived at this. I was actually asked uh, just a little while back to write another article for one of our communication pieces that goes out from our district office, which is where I currently serve. And uh, I wrote on this topic, Reluctant Leaders, just something I was kind of experiencing and contemplating, thinking through just my own leadership and my journey from, from when I started leading to now. And as, I, as it got sent out, I was alarmed at just the response that I got. Oftentimes we wonder who actually reads these articles, but I got such an overwhelming response about this particular article that was written by me that I thought, you know, maybe I should make this into a podcast episode. And so that's exactly what I'm doing this month as this episode drops today, and uh, I'm just hoping that maybe if you didn't read that article, that you'll get something out of this, and maybe this will speak to you too. Maybe it's a bit, you can resonate just kind of with my own personal journey in this whole idea of reluctant leadership. And even if you did read the article, I'm going to try and unpack some things and go a little bit deeper than I did even in the article. The article was fairly brief, and so I'm hoping to take a little deeper dive here today for this episode. So let me start by just um, just talking about my journey. I can remember back as a teenager, uh, so many years ago now it seems, uh, some days anyways, but I can remember sensing a call of God and let me just say, I, I know we've got all sorts of listeners, so uh, when I use a, a, a phrase like call of God, what I'm really talking about is the purpose I felt that God's put on my life. I believe that God created this world and he created everybody in it and that he as well at the same time has given us all a specific purpose for our lives and we're most fulfilled and and most uh, often the most happiest when we're actually living out that God-ordained purpose for our life. So when I say call of God that's what I'm referring to. So I remember as a teenager sensing just this specific call of God on my life to full-time ministry yet being very reluctant to be completely open to anything that maybe God wanted for my life in the realm of of full-time ministry, vocational ministry. As a result of that and that kind of feeling going on inside of me, that reluctance, I always had this sense that my call, my purpose, would be a little bit different than the traditional sense of pastoral leadership, if you will. So being a typical traditional pastor in a church, I just, that actually to be, Perfectly honest with you, that freaked me right out. One of my greatest fears as a kid was at public speaking, public communication. I remember public speeches getting so freaked out and anxious and not being able to sleep like nights and nights before it was my turn to get up in front of the entire class and deliver that public speech. Like that was the worst thing. I, you know, starting the school year, that's where my mind went immediately. Well, what about public speeches? I, I just dreaded them. And so I think there was a little bit of that going on when I thought of pastoral leadership. I thought, well, those, those people, those leaders, those men and women have to get up and speak every week to crowds of people, congregations and their people. And I thought, I, ca- I can't do that. And so 
one of the results of that was, I, I long story short, but I ended up working at a camp, taking on this job as a this ministry position, I believed it was, as a ground supervisor at a Christian camp. And uh, I had begun working there in between my, during my summers, going through my theological training at Bible college. And so I started there as a summer student, just cutting grass and weed whacking and everything else, you name it. And at the end of that time, my boss came to me and he was going to be retiring. And so he asked me to take over for him. And I had prayed this through and really felt like this was a great opportunity for me. I wouldn't have to speak. Uh, All those things that freaked me out, I wouldn't have to do. Yet I was still in full-time ministry. But it was about four years in where I got my first invitation to come and speak. uh, A speaking engagement where I was asked to come and speak for one of my friends who I went through Bible school with, was with youth pastoring, a youth group, and him and a few other groups were getting together to have their annual youth retreat, where they go away for a weekend and just focus on God and His presence and have a great time, lots of games and fun and late night activities. And so he asked me to come and be the speaker for that. Now, again, initially, I actually said no when he first called. I didn't even think about it, didn't pray about it. It was just No, no thanks. I don't really do that. I'm flattered that you would want me to come and do that, but that's not my thing. And I was, again, just this reluctance hit me. And before giving it too much thought, I said no. And uh, I'm thankful today, looking back on that situation and even that response, that my friend, my buddy, who am uh, still one of my my best friends today, um, didn't take no for an answer. And he said, hold up, Jerry. He's like, just at least pray about it. At least give it some thought for a week before you give me an answer. And so I was like, okay, fine. Uh, I'll do that. But you better get a backup plan because just know, like, I'm not, the chances are not good for this. Like, I'm not coming, man. So he's like, yeah, yeah, just just pray about it. So I did. And uh, to be honest, during that week of, of just giving it some more thought and prayer, even though I didn't want to, there was still this reluctance in my own heart I really felt this was a God-ordained assignment for me that I was supposed to do this. And so I reluctantly called him back and I said, yeah, okay, I'll come. I don't really want to. Uh, This freaks me right out of my skin, but I'll I'll do it. So I went, I spoke on that retreat. Um, I I don't really think I did that great of a job. It was one of my very first speaking engagements. So um, looking back, it was probably horrible. Um, But it really wasn't about even that. Like, I feel this was a personal assignment for me to do because of what happened by me saying yes to it and by me surrendering to it, even though I was reluctant to do so. And it was actually in the car ride home where I just had this conversation. I believe that God speaks to his people when his people take time to listen and not necessarily in an audible, clear voice, but just that those promptings, those still small voices inside of us, I believe are God speaking to us when we allow him time and space to do that. And so I was driving in the car, just having this this subconscious conversation with God uh, about it all. And I found myself fully surrendering in that moment saying, okay, God, if that's what you want me to do, even though it's my greatest fear, I'll allow you to take my greatest fear and turn it into a miracle. And, and, and so that's what I did. And nothing changed immediately in that moment. There was no, you know, crazy miraculous thing that took place. But I believe there was actually inside of me something that shifted, something that that took place. And just this openness to actually 
be willing to serve in whatever role, whatever capacity God wanted, even if it meant surrendering my greatest fears to God. And uh, it was actually that week where I began to get call after call from, from lead pastors wondering if I would ever entertain the idea of being a youth pastor for them. Now, I hadn't told anybody this, uh, this conversation I had had in the car outside of my own wife. We had had that conversation, and so it, it kind of got my attention that week when the phone began to ring, literally, one after the other. And I'm like, okay, God, I get it. Now, I've really been giving that, just that whole idea, that picture of reluctant leadership and the reluctance that's been in my own heart, and not just in that situation, but ever since. Anytime I've gotten opportunities to go and speak somewhere or go and take on a position to do something, even though I may feel it's right and I really need to do this, like this is a specific assignment for me, it still freaks me right out. And I initially have this reluctance, like, I don't know, like God, choose somebody else. I just don't see myself doing that. And I've been thinking a lot about that. And say some of you may be, uh, may be a little bit tempted to check out as I talk about reluctant leadership because you might be thinking there listening to this podcast and going well I don't even necessarily see myself as a leader like I have trouble there's this reluctance even to admit that 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 I'm a leader that I actually have influence and and we know this is a leadership podcast so I'm sure most of you have heard the definition given I think John Maxwell was the great leadership guru who made this this definition famous, but he he's defined leadership as influence, that leadership is influence. And so I just want to remind you that if you have influence, if you are giving direction, if you are any of those things, then you are a leader. And I think too often we assume because we don't see what others do, because we don't see ourselves as leaders, that we're not qualified to be leaders. That that actually disqualifies us from being a leader because we just don't see it. And because we're not looking to lead, well, then we're actually not leaders. That disqualifies us from, from being a leader. And I just want to flip the script on that for a moment, if you will, and if you'll be patient with me for a second. And I'd love to suggest that it's actually, that that very reluctance is actually what qualifies us to lead. Here's kind of what I want you to get out of this episode 44 more than anything else. If you miss everything else I talk about here in these next few moments, I'd really love you to get this picture, get this idea, and it's this. That our our reluctance to lead doesn't disqualify us, but it's actually what qualifies us. It's actually our reluctance that qualifies us more than it disqualifies us from leading in and of itself. Now, you guys know you've listened long enough, 44 episodes in, you know I've got a faith background and I have a firm faith and foundation in, in God being the creator of this world. And like I said a moment ago, he created us with purpose and, and uh, a lot of life is about finding that purpose, that meaning for our lives. And it, it, we can only find it when we actually surrender our lives to him and through his son Jesus, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I would love to go to scripture because that's the foundation of truth for me in my life. And, um, and, and I'd love to take it there because I think as we look through God's word, through the Bible, um, I think it's full of men and women who God chose to lead, yet were very reluctant to do so. I think of people such as Gideon and Jonah and Esther, some of these Old Testament people and prophets like Elijah and Isaiah 
And then we move to the New Testament and there's still many like Paul and Peter and the list goes on and on of people who were reluctant, people just like you and I, no different. People who were reluctant to acknowledge the fact that God had called them, chosen them, assigned them to leadership. Now, probably one of the more recognizable examples out of the people I just listed, I actually didn't list him on purpose because I'd like to use his life story as an example for this podcast today, and that's a guy named Moses. We meet him real early on in Scripture back in the Old Testament, the first five books. Um, It's actually believed that Moses wrote those first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, they call them, and... um, And you guys know, many of you on this podcast listening today would know his story. Um, And uh, I'm not going to read his story today. But basically, the synopsis is this. God chooses Moses to lead. And Moses comes up with, with every excuse, every reason under the sun why God should go and choose somebody else to lead. He had this major reluctance to lead. And, and this is often who God chooses to lead is the ones who are most reluctant to do so. Now, why does God do that? Why would God choose the most reluctant people to lead for great leadership impact and influence? And, and I think the answer to that, I think one of the reasons God chooses reluctant leaders so much, as we, we see throughout his word, throughout scripture, is because it's through these types of leaders that his miraculous power can be shown. You think about it. Think about a guy named Moses. And if you read his story, you find that that he possibly had this speech impediment. We don't know exactly what it was, if it was a stutter or a slur. We have no idea. But Moses actually referenced that as one of his excuses why God should choose somebody else to lead. Well, God ends up using Aaron as the mouthpiece for, for Moses. But Moses... The fact that God chooses him to lead and and continues to use him over and over again, I believe it shows God's miraculous power because Moses may not have been the first that everyone else, that mankind would have chosen to lead, but by God choosing him, he he has an opportunity to display his miraculous power. Only if we let him. Obviously, we have free will and we can choose not to allow God to demonstrate his power through us if we refuse to lead, but... That reluctance, I believe the reason God chooses reluctant leaders often is because there's some, there's some reason in, ingrained in that leader why, they, why God should choose somebody else. And God says, no, if you'll let me choose you, I actually want to use you as a demonstration of my power and what I'm able to do through people uh, that, that the world may not necessarily pick or choose to lead. And so Moses... He could have never accomplished what he did without divine intervention. For all the reasons, all the excuses that Moses lists, and if you want to read them, you can read Exodus 3, Exodus chapter 3 in in the Bible, verses 10 to 20, and then you can find more of it in in chapter 4, verse 1. I just encourage you to go read that on your own if you want to look at some of the reasons that, that Moses actually gave for not being qualified or able to lead. That's where we really see his reluctance. And, uh, and yet, God chooses Moses and uses him immensely. And quite a powerful story of how God uses reluctant leaders. So what does this mean for us today? Here we are, 2021, the time that this episode drops. If you're listening to it, as soon as it drops, you may be listening later on, though, in 2022 or, or whenever. Who knows when you're actually uh, tuning in to listen to this. But what does this mean for us 
in the 21st century. Uh, I, I think for each of us, it means that we're all called to this. Now listen closely. To willingly serve and reluctantly lead. I'm going to say that again. To willingly serve, to be willing just like I had to get to the point where I was willingly uh, able to surrender everything, all my fears, all my insecurities, all of that, and say, okay, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do anything. So willingly serve and then reluctantly lead. It's not that we get to that point where we arrogantly or or overconfidently say, okay, yeah, God's called me to lead. Well, you get out of the way because I'm here. I've arrived and I'm ready to lead. No, there's still this healthy reluctance to lead that we know without the hand of God, we cannot do this, what he's calling us to. And I believe the reason God uses reluctant leaders so much is because they're not easily seduced by the same things that other leaders are. What types of things? Great question. Thanks for asking. Things like power. Here's the deal. Reluctant leaders don't strive to hold power. But they seek to constantly give that power away as much as possible. Why? Because they know that holding and hoarding power just creates more pressure on themselves. And they're not looking for more pressure. And so I think some of the greatest uh, leaders who, who are so good and just one of their strengths is empowering others around them. I think it's reluctant leaders. And so they easily give power away because they're not looking to hoard it. Because they know it just means more pressure on them. And so they're constantly looking for ways to give away power, not just delegate tasks. There's a big difference between somebody who can delegate tasks, but they're looking to give away responsibility and power. That's called empowerment. And that's what what empowering leaders do. And if you've ever worked alongside or for an empowering leader, it's life-giving to you. Because they're not, they're not constantly hoarding all the power, all the responsibility. They're looking to give that away. And uh, they know it grows. It'll, it's only helpful for those around them and the whole organization as well. When you are hoarding power yourself and, and you're constantly holding on to that and not letting go, then you actually become this bottleneck for your organization, your church, your ministry, wherever you're, you're leading currently. And uh, again, there's just such a huge difference. I won't go into the, all the major differences between empowered leadership and, and those who just delegate. But I've seen this to be true in my own life and leadership. Um, when, when I've had the opportunity to work for empowering leaders and under them, it's life-giving to me. And then I've also seen the effects of actually giving away power. Now, I wasn't always great at that. When I first started in leadership, I, I had some issues because I'm naturally, I can, I can tend to be more of a perfectionist. And so I want to do everything myself because then I know how it's going to be done. It's going to be done my way. And I've had to get over that. I've had to grow in that area and learn that that's, that just bottlenecks everyone around me, stunts their leadership growth as well as my own. And uh, I've learned great, there's great reward when you actually empower those around you. And, the, and the, the true test, I've talked about this in other episodes before, but I'll say it here again real briefly. The true test to know if you've empowered those around you is if they have the ability to surprise you and to fail. And the failing part can be scary for leaders, especially perfectionists. Um, it, it could be really scary for, for giving the opportunity, giving away power, so much so that, that others can actually fail, but they could also surprise you in a good way. 
And that's truly when you know you've empowered those. If you always know the outcome and there's never opportunity for surprise because you're involved in micromanaging every aspect, every moment along the way, then you have not empowered those around you. And if they cannot fail you, if 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 you you've got the you know you you've got the opportunity to come with a backup plan and not that you shouldn't have a backup plan or be prepared or ready but if those around you can never truly fail because you're always there ready and and ready to step in then you haven't truly empowered either and that's a scary thing but necessary thing if you're going to truly empower those around you so power uh, i think again uh in, Truly reluctant leaders are not seduced by power. The other thing they're not seduced by is pride. Reluctant leaders are not easily tripped up by pride. Because here's the deal. They've already tried to run away and they got caught only to receive, get this, a promotion, not a demotion. Again, we could take a guy like Jonah in the Old Testament who ran and, and it wasn't pride that tripped him up because he wanted nothing to do with what God wanted for his life. He was trying to run and yet God gives him this promotion to, to lead and, and reach the people of Nineveh. And he has to take him through this, this humbling thing of being caught in the belly of a fish and swallowed up and being put back on track. And there's this opportunity for, for miracle. But, but even then, Jonah was still reluctant to go to those people. It's like the last thing he wanted to do. And quite a story of reluctance. But reluctant leaders are not easily tripped up by pride because they've already tried to run away. They're not looking to lead. That's what I'm really getting at. You know those leaders out there who are looking for the leadership positions because in pride and arrogance and this overconfidence, they want to lead, they want to have the mic, they want to be up front, they want to be doing it all, calling the shots. And sometimes that can be because of, 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 of prideful reasons. But reluctant leaders aren't looking to, to have the mic. They're not looking to call the shots. And that's usually who God promotes. And uh, these types of leaders often boast only in the foolishness of God to actually choose them to lead, knowing they don't possess what's needed to lead on their own. I can't even count how many times um, in my life, you know, in my leadership that I've, I've, I've said, I don't ever want to do that. I don't ever want to hold that position. Even the position I hold now, uh, I, can, I was reminded the other day of somebody I told years ago, I'd never want to work there. I'd never want to be the district youth director. And, and here I am today. It was something I was never looking for, never wanted. Even, even the places of ministry that I went, I always had a reluctance first. I remember one of the churches I went to, I said no for six months before I ever said yes. And uh, I was just not looking to lead in that. And it was a big church and I was, it freaked me out a little bit. And I had this reluctance and even coming to this position now, like anywhere I've gone, it's always started with this reluctance and God is, is, has taken me through a process to finally get me to a place of surrender where I've actually been willing to serve in that area. But there's still that reluctance to lead. So reluctant leaders are not seduced by power not seduced by pride. And and the third thing I want to share in this episode is they're not seduced by ambition. Reluctant leaders have been to war. They've been to war, maybe not actual physical war, but but war with with others or war even in their own souls. 
and they know nothing is worth sending other in others into harm's way. Uh, that and it's that that just that ability not to be seduced by ambition and drive that actually keeps them from looking for status. They're not looking for status. And their true joy really comes from watching others around them exceed them, exceed their dreams, exceed their ambitions. While ambitious leaders have no succession plan, they see no potential successor uh, in, in, in their perspective, in their view. Why? Because any potential successor is seen as a threat to their own leadership. And so that's why ambitious leaders don't have a, su- a succession plan. They don't have somebody in their sights of who, who is going to take their position one day. And, and they're not trying to work themselves out of a job because it's, their identity is way too much attached to their position. I tell my kids all the time, my desire for each of you is to go way further, way faster, and do way greater things than I ever did. And, and, and while not having to waste time on what the things that trip me up in my life and my leadership. That's my desire for them. That's what I pray over their lives. That's what I tell them all the time. My desire is for you to go way further, way faster, and not be tripped up by the same obstacles that I had to spend time wasting on. And so that's my desire is to help them. Those that are under me in leadership, the, the people I'm leading, that's my desire for them is to go way further, way faster than I ever did. And I want to spend my life, my years here on this planet, doing everything I can to help them go way further, way faster and be the healthiest leaders they can be. That's why I've, we do this podcast. It's really about doing everything we can to equip you as leaders to become the healthiest leaders you can you can be. Why? Because your leadership really does matter. But I want you to go way further, way faster than, than I ever did. Not having, to ta- not having to waste time going through the things that I've gone through. I want to learn from th- those things so I can help you avoid those things. That's my heart. That's the reason I'm alive today. That's my purpose from God. My calling is to help raise up the next generation of leaders and help them go way further, way faster than I ever did, not being tripped up by the same things I had to go through. And I think one of the reasons that so many of us are so reluctant to lead is because leading is all about making choices and decisions. I've actually learned that the root word of the word decision is decide, and it actually means to cut off, to cut off. And and that's, you know, as I think about that, that's exactly what making decisions does for leaders it cuts us off from those not having to make them and so we can feel isolated in our leadership oftentimes the reason we feel isolated is because we're the ones having to make decisions and making decisions cuts us off from those not having to make them and so the only sane response for many of us is to run is to flee and so we run at all costs from any leadership position any any willingness to lead because we don't want to be the ones to have to make those decisions because we know that's ultimately going to cut us off. And guess what? That's exactly who God loves to use. Those who want nothing to do with leading. Those who want nothing more than to run from leading. And that is the very quality. The very thing that we think disqualifies us from leading is the very thing that actually qualifies us to lead. So, again, the response that all of us need to have 
is this. We are all called to willingly serve while we reluctantly lead. And if you'll stay in that posture, I'm telling you, you'll lead like never before. And, uh, and it will keep you from being seduced by, by many of those things that other leaders are seduced by. Things like power, things like pride, things like ambition. Hey, it's been so great just unpacking these thoughts for you today. And I'd love to hear from you if you've got your own thoughts. Maybe you'd like to add to that list what many leaders are seduced by. That's not an exhaustive list by any means. Power, pride, ambition. There are other things for sure. But if you'd like to carry on the conversation, you can do that. Or or maybe you've enjoyed this. You got something out of it today. I encourage you to share it. Go ahead and like it on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find this one. But don't just hoard it. Don't be a hoarder of tools and resources as leaders. If this is helpful to you, you find it helpful, then share it. Share it with somebody else, another leader who might find it helpful. And maybe this this particular episode would resonate with them. And uh, if you'd like to chat more, you can find me, social media, PJ's Jam on Instagram, Jeremy Albrecht on Twitter. Uh, You can reach out through email. You can find that through the the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And... uh, I'd love to chat with you more about this if this has resonated with you at all. Well, I want to thank you again for listening, and it's been uh, great. I hope this time has been beneficial to you and your leadership, and uh, I really hope that it helps you become a healthy leader because, hey, your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.